Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends, to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday, January the 18th. Uh, it, it, we had a little bit of light snow, as I was telling our guests this morning here in Philadelphia, but it stopped, it, not even an inch. But I'm, 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 I heard it's supposed to get really cold again uh, next week. So enjoying this, I would say, mild winter weather right now because it's supposed to change again soon. But I want to thank you all and welcome you all to Off the Shelf this morning. We have a awesome guest with us. And I, like I told him when I was researching for the interview, his book and what he writes about, I'm very interested in what he has to share with us this morning. And to learn more about his novels, they, I've only one other person who's been on Off the Shelf has written a book uh, kind of similar in uh, covering a topic similar to what the guest today is covering. For those, our loyal, loyal, loyal listeners who've been with us, can you all believe we're at it for 11 years? 11 years. For those of you who have been with us this whole stretch, uh, uh, over a decade now, I just thank you and thank you and thank you. But so many people tune in for the first time. They're on the Internet or they're in the chat room, and they've never heard of the show before. They just accidentally stumble across I want to introduce myself to you and tell you I'm your host, Denise Turney. And as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And I thank you again for your support and I hope you are enjoying this Saturday. And if you're like me, you're looking forward to the Super Bowl playoff games uh, tomorrow, which I can't wait to see. And I also want to invite you to get a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. When you get Love Pour Over Me, you're going to get mystery, romance, these amazing, amazing friendships, high chase scenes, and I mean loads and loads and loads of entertainment. And you can get Love Pour Over Me at uh, online and offline retailers anywhere. You can get them at Barnes & Noble. You could get it at Walmart. You could get it at Amazon. You could get it at at uh, eBook it, you could get it at iTunes. Where if you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk for it because Love Pull Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So I hope you'll go out and get a copy of Love Pull Over Me and enjoy a great story today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And again, I'm I'm excited for his music background and I'm excited to learn more about his book series. And our special guest today is Johnny Walker. And what a name. <laughs> I was doing the research. I kept, I kept thinking about the, the, the alcohol. Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is our special guest today. And Johnny is a Texas native. He is passionate about music. That was one of the first things I noticed when I was doing my research and he has written for and worked with artists and organizations, off-the-shelf listeners like Kay Ballard, HBO, Miramax Pictures, Dateline NBC, Larry Gatlin, and Carol King. When I saw Carol King, I said, wow. And he has studied at the French, the French Conservatory of Music at Carnegie Hall in New York City. He is the author of The Echo, and it's spelled 
E K K O E K K O. He's the author of the Echo Mystery Book Series, and included in that book series are Blue Violin, Black Coffee, and White Limousine. Those are some fabulous book titles. You can find Johnny Walker online at www.echomysteries.com, and again, it's you got to get out of the E C H O. It's E K K O M Y S T E R I E S. Again, E K K O M Y S T E R I E S dot com. So you guys can hop over there and learn more about him, more about his books, even as you enjoy today's show where he uh, uh, he just opens up more and we find out even more about Mr. Johnny Walker. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Johnny. Oh, good morning, Denise. And and uh, how do I follow up on that? That was the best intro I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Let's just so, stop now, okay? Everything was perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're very excited to learn more about, especially your music, your music background, and then your books. Your books are so they're different. They they uh, they can really can stand out on their own. One thing, the book market is so crowded, but you have taking an approach to a story that is so unique, even in this crowded, crowded book world, your books could still stand out, and I think that's very, very good. But I want to begin by giving our off-the-shelf listeners just a little bit of, um, so they can feel, get a little background on you. Can you tell us where you grew up in Texas, and what were those early development years like for you? Uh, well, I was born in El Paso. Um, grew up, you know, in the in the run around the deserts of New Mexico and, and West Texas, and like any kid, just getting into all the trouble I could, you know. Uh, and which out there is kind of tough to do. You gotta gotta get creative uh, because it's you and the cactus, you know. <laughs> That's uh-huh. about it. So uh, I, but I, you know, my grandmother bought me a violin when I was oh, six or seven. It was the first violin I had, and I started, and uh, I just took to it uh, after, you know, a bunch of hating it because, you know, it wasn't cool to play violin. You don't play violin. That's not cool mm-hmm. when you're a kid. And uh, But, you know, later on I took to it and uh, did real well in, in uh, high school and, and uh, branched out to playing cello and did state competitions and traveled with it and just really opened my eyes to, you know, what music can bring to your life, you know, that this mm-hmm. this whole world that you, not only in your mind, but in life, of, of what it can bring you, what the things mm-hmm. you can see. I've traveled extensively and would have never been able to do that had it not been for music, you know, uh, or had it not been for, for something that, you know, your passion drives you to. Right, right. And, you know... It, what, Sorry, you're going to say something. What, what, uh, so the violin, what, I would think Texas is a, gi- a guitar more. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yeah. uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan was my, one of my favorite, favorite guitarists. Uh, what, I, one thing I wanted to ask you when I was doing this research, and that kind of explains it, you said your grandmother gave you a violin. What attracted you to the orchestra? I know you were you were very good in grade school in the orchestra. I love the orchestra. I never thought I would. I was covering a story here in, uh, in actually uh, about 20 minutes north of where I live with an orchestra, actually the Warminster Orchestra. Oh, I, said, nice. I don't think I like this. 
I loved <laughs> I was really surprised. I was really surprised. What what attracted you to it? And did you think, oh, I don't want to do this? And what kept you interested in the orchestra in grade school? You know, I uh, like I said at first, it was it was pretty much you know I grew up in an era where you do what your parents said. You know mm-hmm. that's you know I, I don't I can't speak for how far that goes these days. It doesn't seem to be <laughs> the same. <laughs> but you didn't back talk when you were when I was a kid. It was just you know I, it was an Italian family, tough love, and and everything you needed was there. But you, you, you respected, and and I think this was part of it. Like you are playing violin and. I was like, ah, you know, all right, whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, then I, I, again, like I said, it opened up this whole world, new world, and I was I was writing songs back then, and, you know, as ridiculous as they were. I was I was just amazed that I could pull a ditty, you know, out of the air and, and, and play something and make this music. And, you know, and then I, I once you do that, you're, you know, you're, your whole, all your senses just come alive and you start hearing, you know, you start hearing, I started hearing violin on the radio. I'm like, oh, well, that's, mm. wait a minute, that's, there's a viol- that's violin and that's violin and, you know, mm. putting two and two together and saying, I can do that, you know, even though there was no way I could. But, <laughs> but I was like, you know, I can do this. Uh-huh. It, it just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an enlightenment. Uh, music really is. It's, it just, it just, it's such a, a magical gift, and, and wow. uh, I've just—I've been passionate about. It. I love it. It's—it's it's just I've loved it my whole life, and, and I'm very, very fortunate to have uh, had it introduced to me. You know, I, 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 this isn't a question I was going to ask you, but I'm just curious about it. And I definitely want to talk about your books. Did you was it? Did your grandmother give? Did you have siblings? And did your grandmother give everybody a violin? Or was did she ever tell you? If not, why she? gave it to you yeah no i don't know uh no others didn't get violins <laughs> i don't know and I, you know if i really sat back and probably if i i should probably ask my mom about it sometime why that happened but uh, I, I i don't know any real reason i don't know any maybe i was at you know i don't remember asking for it maybe i had maybe i mentioned it uh you know my grandmother was that way and my mom's the same way too you mentioned something and all of a sudden it shows up you know, it's oh, like, okay. You know, they're kind of like that. They're like, just surprise you with this, and so you got to be careful what you say around them. Because oh, I mean, okay. I, I mentioned to my mom one time that I need some towels, and for five years I got towels every Christmas. You oh. know, I, I, it's like so. <laughs> you got to like, okay, you oh, know, okay, I'm paying storage for towels, Ma. Let's let's chill on oh. the towels a little bit. You know, it's like. <laughs> so that's oh, the family yeah. that I, that I come from. Uh, oh. Really warm and and very, again very fortunate to be in okay. that and. Uh, they they pushed me there and I just you know loved wow. it. Wow! Especially when I started playing the cello, I just that opened a, a whole another world and loved that. And it was just too big to carry. I, I had to dump that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Did you ever work with Stevie Ray Vaughan? Being that you said you're from Texas, I know he was from I think Austin. Did you ever uh, work with him? I did not. No, ma'am. I have not had that pleasure. That would have been yeah. a real honor. A real, real honor. No, I, I love his work. Now, now you you formed your own band, the Johnny Walker Band, in the late 1980s. Can you tell us about the process of forming and managing a band? And I've heard it's it's rigorous and challenging, but I'm curious to hear your your take on it. And was that experience what you expected it would be? Um, 
You know, it is. It's it's like anything. It's uh, you know, and I, I've listened to your podcast, and in one of them, you mentioned the the the, the, the process of staying enthusiastic, staying with something. You know, you start off sometimes, and you got all the energy in the world. But, you know, later on, what happens? Do you peter out or mm-hmm. do you keep going or what? And, and you know, keeping a band is, you know, you've got a lot of personalities. And personalities alone, different personalities alone is, is a challenge. But when you start getting uh, artistic people and then a little bit of ego added on and everybody's got mm. their own opinion, it's, it's kind of tough. It's, you know, balancing that. And I, I can't say that I actually did that great of a job, um, but I guarantee you that, the first ones to get paid were them. You know, wow. I took care of them best I could. And, uh, you know, there were times where there used to be a club here in New York called Cinnamon Diamonds. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were dark on Monday, but they would open for us because we would pack the house. Uh, they were wow. terrific. This lady named Rhonda was just terrific. And, and I remember sometimes at the end of the night, I had this wad of cash in my hand that was just, oh, man, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and by the time I paid everybody, I'd have about $3. Oh. <laughs> just, I would just laugh. But the bottom line was I, again, felt fortunate because everybody got paid, because people yeah. showed up, you know, because it worked. And, and, and we had a good time. We got to play our music, you know. Uh, it all worked, and, and everybody walked away happy. So, you know, that's what you can look for. You can look for being the, the last one, you know, as far wow. as financial stuff goes. You're, you're the last one to get paid, and that's okay. You were, you were, you, but you, you were a good guy, though. I, I got to tell you, because some people, they're the first to get paid, and everybody else is going, where's the money? So you were a good well, guy to pay your, your bandmates first. Well, I, I uh, you know, I, I think it's part of my upgrading also. I was <clears throat> really lucky when I was younger to join bands. Uh, there was a band in the Southwest called City Limits that I was in, and sometimes I go visit, and I still see pictures of this old band, and I'm, you know, just a young kid with an afro and a big beard, and <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> looking at these old pictures, and uh, there was a man named Bill Wilson who pretty much took me under his wing, and he was like the salt of the earth, and he, he taught me some of the, he had played, he was much older than I was, and he had played his whole life and been around Ah, you know, stories. He would just lay them out, and and but he, you know, he had more integrity in his little finger than than many people I've met. Mm. Who, you know, and and he instilled some things in me, <clears throat> some rules of the road and the and the band ethics and stuff. And and I'll always keep them, you know, and because uh, I believe he was right, and it's proven to be uh, beneficial in the long run. You know, to just treat people right, you just have to. Right. You know, right, treat them like right. you want to be treated. Right, right. I want to ask you one more question, uh, and, uh, and before we get into your writing, now you, how did you get from Texas? We know you've done a lot of traveling with your music, but how did you get from Texas to New York City, where you studied at, at Carnegie Hall's French <laughs> service? Oh how did that come about? Oh man, uh, it was some ping ponging. You know, when I was young, uh, I was. Uh, I went to Dallas for a while, from Dallas to Nashville. Uh, I did a short stint in Seattle. Um, I, I just ping-ponged, I think, looking for myself, looking for a home. You know, I had I'd done so many years on the road and traveling and uh, just, you know, getting your mail once a month from a service. And 
and I wanted to settle down. And, and over a period of three or four years, I finally, uh, somebody up here gave me a call, said they need a roommate, and I came up. And a man, I mean, the minute I got off the plane, I, I just connected. I just felt wow. at home. It just it just crawled into my bones, and, and I said, this is it. This is home. And uh, that was, you know, in the 80s, late 80s. And uh, it's just, you know, if you if you don't mind working, you know, New York will work you. You will just, you know, mm. it, it, as much energy as you have, it will take. You know, it's a it's a wonderful place. It's the people, you know, it's yeah. the people, the energy, the all kinds of groups of people, the ethnic, the race, the colors, the the religions, right. the the countries. You know, I love sitting in a room full of people where one is from France, one is from Africa, one is from Germany, right. one is from Ohio, one is from you know what I mean. It's just this terrific mindset, and and I feed off that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are yeah. you still in New York, or are you? you I am. Back? Did you? Oh, okay. I am in New York. I am. Okay. Uh, I did uh, five or six years ago. I did, a short, I did a short stint in Tennessee again for a couple of years, and then came back home. And uh, I'm at home now. I live in Inwood, in the very, very top of Manhattan. Oh, okay. Awesome part of the part of uh, Manhattan. It's, it doesn't even feel like New York City. It's it's just amazing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, New York, yeah. New York, New York is 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 amazing, and you you can go into Manhattan, you can go down near Times Square, you can go to one of the boroughs, and you get a totally different feel depending on what part of the uh, what part of the city you're in. Now I know you you said you traveled extensively, working with, of course, I mean my goodness, your background, HBO, Miramax Films, Carol King, who is just amazing, amazing. Uh, Dateline, and then how did those, that traveling, uh, Johnny? How did that impact your writing? Well, uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, I pretty much, you know, I'm an explorer. Uh, I just, I got to turn rocks over. I got to look under things. I got to meet people. I have to. I just, it's just in my blood. I, you know, I'm probably a little too much sometimes, but I just, I love finding things out. I love history. I love, you know, maybe I'm a, a reincarnated old soul or something, but I, mm-hmm. I just, I just love learning things about people and what they do and what's, what do you do in the morning? What's, what's your country do? How do you do that? Why? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. You know, and just, and so on the road, I, I just, you know, did this and, and discovered a bunch of things and, uh, I kept a lot of logs. I have a couple of filing cabinets ah. of notes and logs and, and stories and, you know, just incidences because, you know, the more you do, the more the shit happens factor rolls around. Right. You, know, you, 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 you gotta, if you sit in one place from nine to five and don't go out there, then less is going to happen to you. you right. Know, it's just, it's just a natural course. But when you're out there getting, you know, into things and, and also being very inquisitive, more is going to happen to you. More, there's going to be more instances. There's going to be more circumstances. You're going to see more, cars on fire you're gonna you have guns pulled on you you're gonna have things happen it's it's just natural right and i i kept logs and these books a lot of these books a lot of the stories in these books stem from some of those stories wow okay which has been a big help and then you know and then you tweak them and make them a little more fun a little more civil sometimes a little more cool Uh you know how did you go from music you you are a fascinating person. How did you go from music to book writing? Well, I don't know. I mean, I had this story in my head forever, and I, I've been wanting to write it. And 
while I was down in Tennessee, I, I just buckled down and, and wrote it. And uh, it's I've always written songs. I don't know how many songs I've written and, and, and short stories and things. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to tackle this. I'm going to tackle this and, and tear it up. And as it got going and, and progressing, it became so much fun. And, I, you know, all of a sudden I was here. I was, oh, you know, again, kind of like the music opens up a whole new world. Here's this whole new world where I'm just, you know, climbing into this this other life, you know, getting rid of mine and, and climbing into this world, and, and, and it was kind of fun. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. was the beginning. <laughs> then the work comes, you know. Yeah. Then the reality sits in where it's like, oh, this is work. And, uh, you know, I mean, it just got to where there was a, a, a long period where... <sighs> For one night, okay, one night I was I woke up, and there's these three characters in a book, uh, Clarice, uh-huh. Milo, and and Brandon. They were on a horse. All three of them were turned around looking at me. The horse was turned around looking at me, and all of them were saying like, "Well, where do we go? What do we do? Wow, what are we doing? Was that like a dream? <laughs> what are we doing? That was a dream. Like. Because it's like they don't move until you write something. You know, you write, they move. Wow, isn't that interesting? And. Uh, it's it, and and that just fascinated me. It's like you know you really wow. It's not so much as as digging up something from your imagination or trying to come up with the best story in the world. It's more like just like where are these guys going? Who who are they? You know, what's their purpose? And do I love them or do I not like them? And you know how do I love them? If if I love them, then they're going to be human. That means they're going to make mistakes. Well, how big of a right. mistake? You know. I, and it, it it's it, this whole juggling process of of getting your characters to to blend together in a book and boy that stuff. Jeez, wow. I, we've got to talk about your books now. Which of your <laughs> of the three books, Blue Violin, Black Coffee, and White Limousine for our off the shelf listeners? Which one is the first in the Echo Mysteries book series? White Limousine is number one. Okay. That is uh, the, the beginning. Can you give us a brief synopsis of White Limousine? Uh, sure. It uh, pretty much one gets the ball rolling where the protagonist, uh, a sound man, go figure, uh, <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> he's come from you know he's he's from Lake Tahoe, uh, last in his family. Everybody's dead. He's adventurous. He's just. The same kind of guy, got to look under every rock, got to love music, got to be out there. And he starts discovering some things about his family's past, some mysterious things. And, and um, he's always had a connection with spirits. He's always been able to speak with them or kind of talk with them or know them, acknowledge them. He's, you know, they're no strangers, basically. He's not like, you know, I didn't sit around and have coffee with them, but it's it's not a strange subject. So he, you know, he, he he's older and he's you know around in his 30s and he decides okay I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this and and so he does and he starts he gets this fantastic job on a big tour mm-hmm. and and that's when he says okay here I go you know let me go figure this not knowing what he was going to actually uncover mm. and, and so he starts peeling back the layers in book one and it's and and he learns things some of the things he doesn't want to know but it's too right. late he, but he you know, learns he, these things based on relationships he's having with people around him or I'm, now yeah, and his he, name he is T.J. Singleton 
what what can you give us a little bit more of his background? How did he get into? You said he's he's communicated with the spirits before. How did he do that? Did he see like a ghost of a loved one, and that just kept happening? How did he get introduced to that? Well, he actually uh, got introduced to it as a kid. Uh, his uh, dad owned a, an appliance store, and he would play in the back in the appliance store playing with radios and sound frequencies. And he mm-hmm. would create these certain frequencies that would bring spirits around. And they kind of... But like he wasn't intending kind of, to do that, was he? No, he wasn't. Was he intent? Oh, okay. No, he wasn't. This was totally accidental, and he did it. And, you know, as a, as a kid, it was kind of fun. He would just go back there and play around, bring some spirits around, and, you know, and then he grew up and started working, and all this kind of went away. And as he got older, he's like, what happened to all that, you know? And, and uh, it starts coming back, and so now that he's on tour, he's like, you know, I could make some really great stage shows out of this. I could really produce some some mind-blowing things. And... Uh, mm-hmm. So he starts delving into it as as an adult, compiled with what he's learning about his family's past, and um, he, he he it's a it's a hit, it's a slam dunk hit, and the press is all over him, and the media is all over him, and he doesn't want that much attention. You know, it's it's kind of mm. like he went too far, but he can't stop. Mm. You know, that's one side of it, and the underbelly of it is these spirits are now helping him you know, explaining this stuff to him. And he just wants to have fun, and they're saying, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 you don't just get to have fun. There's, there's wow. a propagation here. So how does he uh, know, though, as a kid? Uh, well, go ahead, because now you got me. No, no, go ahead. How does he, <laughs> he's playing this music, his dad's got this appliance store. How does he know, how would you know, though, that, 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 that there's a spirit there? What happens to make him know that? Well, actually, um, he really doesn't at first. He, he, you know, to him it's just a, he's a kid and this is a game and 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 uh, it doesn't go into all this too much in the book one, but uh, it does in the screenplay. There's actually a screenplay in the process. And, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, he, you know, like any kid. It's so funny how kids are so honest and so you know, it, it's almost like an alien could walk up to a kid and they would say, "Hello, how are you?" You know. They're not afraid of things yet. They're not fearful of a bunch of things. They're more inquisitive than they are terrified. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference between the boogeyman coming into your bedroom at night and a spirit coming into the shop during the day mm-hmm. type of thing, you know. So so he's kind of like that as a kid. He's, he's just like, oh, okay, what do you got? You know, and, and instead of... So he hears something, he sees something, or... What makes him yeah, even and, know, though? Well, he learns <laughs> by adjusting these frequencies that they'll come around. But what happens when you they know, come around? <laughs> what happens? He sees something? He hears something? He just sees them. You know, he doesn't really have much communication oh, with them, but he, he gets them. to see them. He sees them. Oh, he he kind of okay. like opens this portal, you know, which as the books progress, he really delves back into He's like, he, you know, because of his experiences as a kid, he knows how to do this now, and it and it's very wow. important that he does because now he's on a mission. Um, and he he has to do this at some point because there's a big battle coming up, and he is he is he's on the you know it's it's I don't want to give too much of the books away. No but no 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 time, no no. But yeah, that uh, is very. It, it ultimately, he stumbles into a battle that's been going on for two thousand years between aliens and the spirit world. 
Wow. Do you do you do you go into for the reader? Do you go into when he's a little boy? Because this is such a big part of the story. Do you go into when he's in the appliance store? Do you spend a lot of time so the reader can really, really get a good grasp of that? Because it's a key to the story. It is a key, but he—it's more reflections here and there. It's okay. more, you know, uh, something happens and he thinks about it and he reflects and he remembers. Um, like I said, the screenplay starts off a little more as he's a kid, and you know, it really one of those progressive things where, you know, grows and grows and grows. Now we're in the present day. But in the books, he kind of like, he, he remembers. He, something's familiar and he thinks back and, then, you know, and, and you know, that, that's kind of how those come into the book. Instead of starting off as a child and growing up, it, it starts off, bam, present day. Okay. And, uh, I have so many questions to ask you, and I can see now I'm not going to get through how does CJ, and again, I look to our listeners, is CJ Singleton, how does he stumble upon the first family secret? I, and I don't want you to give the story away, but how does he stumble upon that first family secret that causes things to start to unravel? Well, that's no problem. Um, when he's a child, his grandfather gives him an amulet. He, he, uh, and he wears this amulet his whole life. It's just, you know, something he's always done. Now, his parents were burnt down in a fire. Uh, the house burnt down while he was away on the road. His parents were killed. His grandfather's dead. No other family. Mm. And uh, he had always thought uh, that something that does go into the book uh, that he, you know, reflection. As a kid, he, he had rewired every club within 100 miles. He had played at home with, you know, all his electrical toys. And he was just a mechanical, you know, type of guy who had to build things and create things. And so... When this fire happened, he has this doubt in the back of his mind always that he caused the fire, that he may have killed his parents. Uh. So part of his search in the spirit world is to hopefully find his parents and apologize. Oh, Ask them what wow. happened, see if he can find them. You know, So that's, that's a lot of his driving force is to find his parents, You know, get to the truth, apologize. He's, he's lived with this guilt for many years. Wow. Um, but he's Wouldn't got it be this amazing amulet. if... Go ahead. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I want you to finish what you were saying. Oh, but you, you said how he first discovers. So he's got this amulet, and he's living in New York around the age of 30-ish, 33, 34. And his grandfather had a cabin in New Hampshire. And it's just an old shack, and he's been paying taxes on it for many years, and he decides, okay, you know, it's time to either sell this thing or use it but you know he's never he's never been up there he's never nobody ever paid attention to it nobody ever really wanted it so he goes up there to check it out when he goes up there this whole new world just hits him in the head he just discovers all kinds of things in this cabin and uh that's where the the story really starts to take off wow very oh my goodness this is it just sounds so so fascinating i was going to ask you wouldn't it be wonderful if people my grandparent, my grandfather t- told me this years ago, and he's passed on, but he said, you know, when you see some people just literally falling out at funerals, weeping and welling, now sometimes he said they really are missing the person and longing for them. He said sometimes that's regret because they mistreated them, something they didn't say or they did say really hard to the person, and it's final. It seems like it's final. So you're left with this, like you said, this guilt, and a lot of people yeah. walk around with that. It, it is, it's final. You 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 had yeah. the last thing you said to somebody, whether it was your child, a spouse, 
a, a relative, a friend. You had a big argument, and then you get a phone call that they're no longer here, and you can, you can't you can't. It's final. You you can't go back and say I apologize. It's final, and that was the last yeah. thing you were left with. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people could go back and meet with somebody and either talk through why did you do that, why I want to apologize, or if somebody mistreated them, oh, I, I need to know why you did that. I need to get closure. It's like when people pass. It's it. You're left with it loose, loose ends. Yeah, you got to try to resolve it, it in your you own know? head. And you know, I've had a lot of friends pass, and it's it's just horrible. It's it's the most horrible thing in the world that you'll never get to talk to them again or see them again. Right. Or you know, and I don't think I have any guilt from any of them, but but it is like you said, it's final. They're gone. So it's kind of like this is part of the fantasy here. We're like, wow, maybe I actually could find them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm delving with spirits. I'm calling them up. I know, you know, maybe I could find my parents. Let me let me begin this search. Mm-hmm. And that's one branch of the search, and the other one is for his shows. He wants these shows to to be killer. He he's he loves sound and lights and concerts and and you know it's he's gonna he's blowing people away with these these uh, phantasmic type of shows and more than he expected. What? You know, because now people want answers. So, your book is so <laughs> unique. It's fascinating. It is so. Well, I mean, thank the you. angle that you t- it is just. Unique. I mean, I gotta tell you, it's only one other person, one other writer that took that approach with a, a, a book. At the most, maybe two, but it's very, very rare that I've come across somebody. It's just a unique approach. Now, what happens to C.J. Singleton in Black Coffee? We, we, Black we, Coffee. Oh, first of all, I'm sorry. Let me go back. No. Where does it kind of? If you could let us know where it leaves off. And white limousine, and then what? Where does it pick up? And black coffee with CJ. Uh, white limousine uh, ends off. He is. Uh, he's got this job. The the band is called Nathan Juju. He's got the the job with Nathan Juju, and he they get to Savannah, and he there's one spirit there that does not like him, and she just mm. really whoops his ass. She she takes him down, wow. and he disappears. So the end of book one, CJ is missing. Ah. Um, yeah. So wow. And going into Black Coffee, uh, his assistant is, you know, this this egomaniac little kid who wants to be in charge and cares more about power than he does knowledge. You know, like mm-hmm. like so many people do. They think I just want to be the boss. I don't care what I'm. Who I'm, who I'm bossing or what I'm bossing, I just want to be called boss. You know, right. <laughs> I don't care where or why. I just want to be the boss. Yeah. And uh, that's that's him. And uh, they go through some major turmoil. And meantime, CJ is working out some things with some other spirits that uh, need to be resolved. So he's not even around, but. He does come back. He's the he's the hero. So right before you know, in the eleventh hour, he comes back. He saves the show. It's fantastical again. Uh, people are blown away. And then right after that, he gets thrown in jail. So wow, man, you keep him moving. <laughs> I keep him moving. This guy, this guy, has got a first aid kit in his hat. <laughs> Basically. He gets his butt kicked every time he turns around. But he, but see, the thing is, he's a good guy. He's a real good guy. Uh-huh. 
but he's he's still got to make mistakes. He's got to be human, you know. Right. So he does get a little greedy. He does get a little caught up in something that's easy, mm. and you know he has to learn a lesson like everybody else. Right. Um. So Black Coffee, uh, really, he really gets the message, and he starts taking charge. Uh, uh, instead of being such a butthead, so, okay, you know, mm. white limousine, he's fooling around, and he's like, no, 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 I just want to play, and they're like, no, you know. And Black Coffee, it's like, okay, listen, you, this is how it is. You opened wow. up this, you know, you, you opened wow. up this, oh, my this door, now this is what you're going to do. And, and uh, so oh. he's kind of given some ultimatums, and and uh, at the end of book two of Black Coffee, he's uh, he's just on fire. I mean, he's on fire. The, the press can't get to him. People are just all over him. There's, you know, at this point, music people have sent out spies to try and capture his. They think he's got some really great equipment that he's got some homemade equipment he's using because of what they're seeing on stage is just not normal. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking it's holograms or something going on. So now the musical, the music business has sent out spies to chase him. And of course, the spies are dumbasses. They're just these total dweebs who, you know, just fumble over themselves. And and uh, they're very humorous. I, I really like uh, this one character named Kavanaugh, who's who's the spy, who's just a big dummy. And he's he's really fun to write because he just he's his own worst enemy. <laughs> you know, just, you, you, this book, this book is <laughs> it could be a television series. When you wrote it. Did you have that in Did you see a movie in mind or even a television series? Because there's so much that happens to CJ. It's like his, it has to continue, continue, continue. Did you, did you have that in mind when you sat down to write it? Not at all. Not at all. I had had experiences in, in, in uh, clubs with ghosts and stuff myself. Because um, there, you know, I think there's an energy that builds up in clubs, and you you take these places, and, and night after night they're filled with energy, and then they empty out. They fill with energy, and they empty out. Mm-hmm. And and there's stuff that just is there. I mean, there's just no no question about it. You know, whether you believe or not. I mean, personally, coming from my experience, yeah, I believe. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get these stories down, and the first editor I had said, "Do not end this." You know, yeah. she said, "You've got." You know, the band's on tour, you've got a new city, a new set of ghosts, you've got a new adventure, here's another city, and a new set of ghosts, another adventure. But as I started writing it, I'm like, you know, this can really go on forever. We've got to, you know, like any story, it has to reach a peak, you know. And so that's when Blue Violin kicks in, and things is just, uh, things just really, uh, it's like throwing it all into a blender, and uh, and mm. everything starts coming to a head. Who who are some of the characters? You told us about a few. Uh, we we know about CJ's his assistant, but can you tell us about some of the in the in the spy? Who are some of the other characters who helped to move the book series forward? Uh, well, there's uh, a guy named Dean Autry. He is the promoter. He's a British guy, uh, you know, older British guy. And he's he's promoted concerts for over 30 years. He was, he's really stable and solid and got it together. Um, but he's just blown away. This is just too much for him. He, he's never seen anything like this, and the chaos is getting to him. Uh, he's a little thrown back by everything. And, mm-hmm. and he, you know, as professional and stable as he is and well-known in the business, this is just something he's just like he's a little flabbergasted I, I don't get it but at the same time he's looking at the records uh, at the ticket sales 
and you know, and they're flying. Sales are through the roof. Merchandise is selling. Tickets are selling. So he's kind of choosing to look the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of that old music business thing. Well, we really, you know, you could you could uh, put hippopotamuses on stage in in tutus with umbrellas, and if it sells tickets, let's do it. Yeah. You know, basically, <laughs> <laughs> you fill the house. I don't care what you do, fill the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's kind of he's you know a businessman like let's just let this fly and see what happens, mm-hmm. and then eventually it all just comes it, it just gets too chaotic and and uh, it all comes to a head and and uh, Dean is a Dean is kind of the stability, you know okay. he's, he's the voice of reason mm-hmm. in in this and he holds things together and then you have an egomani- egomaniac lead singer mm-hmm. who's a total pompous. Uh, his name is E. Uh, e is is just petting his ponytail on his eyebrows and chasing women and okay. grabbing people and talking about how great he is. And he's just he's the perfect egomaniac. He's he just can't get enough of himself. Okay. <laughs> you know? And he actually thinks you know he's loving is the he show because is he, is he really talented? See, he is. He is very talented. That's okay. That's 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 what really kind of grounds him is, you know, between the road crew and everybody else putting up with him, the fact that he gives it all he's got and he is talented kind of balances him out. You know, uh, there's part of it somewhere in the book it says, you know, while he could be a pompous ass on stage, off stage he's the Tom Jones of entertainment giving it all he has, you know. He really does. He really does, you know, live for that. It's just Mm -hmm. the two, you know, the off stage and on stage it's kind of like, you know, the Sybil personality. Okay. <laughs> it's got different uh, okay. things going on. Uh-huh. But he uh, he actually thinks that during some of these shows that all the cheering and madness is for him. So he's loving uh, this. Okay. <laughs> you know, he, he, <laughs> like you gotta got to keep him happy. You know, when I'm writing this, I'm like, who would put up with this? How, how would any lead right. singer put up with these things? And then it's like, well, it hits me. Well, if he's that big of an egomaniac, then... Uh, you know, of course, this is going to be for him, nobody else. Right. So that that kind of gives him the the clearance to look the other way as well. Mm. Um, there's a, a beautiful uh, spirit named Clarice that enters the picture okay. that CJ is very fond of. He's very ah. fond of her, and she of him. Uh, there's a little spark there, but of course, they're from two different you worlds. Can, you, he can see these people, but you can't. It's not like being with a human. I mean, you can't touch them. You're not gonna feel skin. Right? Well, it's not when they cross over. If they cross over, they can. When they when they cross over, they can be seen. They can speak. They can be seen. They can be in the same room with you. Uh, if they, if they you know if they remain a spirit, and don't talk to you. They just kind of linger in the corner. You know, a set of eyes or something. Then no, you'd never even know. But once they cross over and enter your world, they come join you, talk to you, speak to you. They become real. They become you know. Like many people have seen ghosts that have actually come into the room and talked to them. You know, it's it's a crossing over thing. And part of his job is to get them to cross over. He, You know, he needs this. You know, to, to, so. to resolve, to get the answers he's looking for. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I don't want to ask you if he finds his grandfather and his family, because that would give the whole story away. So I, I want to ask you that. But... um it sounds very, very interesting. Now, are any of C.J. Singleton's experiences, are any of them based on your own life experiences? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, again, like I said, just tweaked a little bit to be a little more fun. 
to be a little more interesting, to fall in with the storyline, uh, you know, changed to to fit. Mm-hmm. In the fifth. But that's that's basically where I, I where, why I started writing the books was because of these experiences that I was having. I was just you know things were just like wow I I can't keep overlooking this. I got to write this down. You know, mm. somehow work this into a fun story. And uh, luckily, uh, again, I'm very fortunate because people have said this is fun. This is just fun, and and it's not a spooky, creepy. It doesn't story. sound like fun, it is, right? Yeah, it's more of a fun. Go, you know, and there's sometimes where things are a little, a little hairy, a little, you know, dangerous. But right, you know, that comes with the territory. But for the most part, this is no, no, uh, yeah, attacked by you know devil phantoms and all that. And that's right. Just, it's just a fun story, and and uh, so you know Did- we. Uh, and and, and and I wanted to ask you, when you had those experiences in your own life where you said you've worked in clubs and you know you've, spirits, you know they've been there because, you know, they, they, so many people, we all have energy, all of us. It, it's all just so much group clumped together. Um, yeah. Have you, when you had those experiences, did you ever go up, see, if I have anything strange happen, I'll usually ask somebody else I'm with, did you hear that? Did you see that? <laughs> Rather than just thinking, because our minds are also very powerful. We can yeah. we can project and we can make something appear to happen. And, and for people who don't believe that, you go to a mental institution and, they, and they'll tell you they heard something and they're the only ones hearing it. They saw something and nobody else saw it. So I'll, I'll, our minds are very, very powerful. I'll ask yeah. somebody, did you did you see that? Did, did you ever do that and somebody say, yeah, yeah, I saw that too or I heard that too? When you had those experiences yourself? Well, most of the times uh, I was working alone in these places at night. Uh, you, oh. the, you know, as a sound man and an engineer, you spend many nights in places by yourself all night long, you know, either running cables, fixing gear, hanging speakers, uh, you know, building stages, soundproofing walls, you know, whatever it takes to do this. Because when a club's open seven nights a week, your only chance to work is somewhere around 1 in the morning till 8 or 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's when you work. And many times, most times, you're by yourself. So, no, you know, I, I didn't usually ask people. I usually ran. Oh. <laughs> I <would> just run. <laughs> just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and, then, you know, and then you start getting used to it a little bit. But this definitely... Uh, <laughs> That's a good point about CJ. He doesn't run. <laughs> CJ faces them. I ran. He faces them. <laughs> That's okay, the beauty of writing. about one strange, not to spook anybody, but one thing that happened that you said, wait a minute, that something's, something's up here when you were working? Oh, wow. Well, um, wow, many. Uh, one time I was... I was uh, I was closing down this theater, uh, and I had shut the place down. Everybody was gone, and this particular theater, I had already had a couple of feelings about things that already happened. There's this one place that you walked by, and something would just go through you. It was by the green room, and every time you went by there, something just went through you. You felt it all the time. The, the hairs on the back of your neck went up. It just happened. But this one night, I turned all the stage lights off, except for one. I left this one profile on a piano 
because I want mm-hmm. to play piano for a while. I want to go down there and play and just hang out, you know. It's uh, mm-hmm. another perk of the job. You could just play music at night for an hour or so afterwards and relax and unwind. And So I was playing piano uh, in this dark theater with just this one light, and there was somebody breathing on the back of my head. Oh! I mean, like, like <laughs> literally breathing on the back of my head. It wasn't, you know... Uh, the air conditioner. It wasn't. Uh, oh. You know, it was. It was. I felt the presence and I felt the breath, and I just went, "Oh crap!" You know. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Oh yeah. And, uh, to go. and then I—that was one of the first times where I actually didn't run. Oh. I, I sat there and I said, "Okay." I just kept telling myself, "It's not here to hurt you. It's not here to hurt you. It's not. You're not gonna die." It's not, you know, it's just, you know, my fingers froze, my body froze, and and, uh, eventually I think I did just get up and walk away. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) yeah. But uh, there there were things that just, there's no, you know, and I wasn't on drugs. Right. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't, so that, you know, you look for other reasons, you know. Right, yeah, was I yeah. too tired? Was I was I overtired? Did I, or yeah, something did like I that? smoke too much crack that day? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Reason? Yeah, that is. Yeah, no, and I've so. heard people. I work work with a colleague who works with a guy who said that he was in high school. He's been on television. He's he was in high school when he said he would hear from like people who had passed over. He didn't know what was going on at first, and he said he could, he could just and he he just was able to connect with them, and he he said to stop it. He's married. He's got kids. He'll just say he just wants to block himself off from it, so he doesn't keep getting these messages. But he said it started when he was in school. It just out of the blue, and he's like, "What what's going on?" He didn't even know what was happening at first. And yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah. I guess if you're open to it, it'll come through. If you're not open to it, like anything else, it won't come through. Right. Maybe. I think there is a sensitivity know. that you know that there is a sensitivity that you have or do not have. Mm-hmm. That allows you to either believe in this or not, and and I think that gets picked up. Uh, and I, you know, there's just way too many people with stories about this to say right. that it's all yep. a farce. You know, it, right? And you know, the spirit world is a, in these books. Towards the end, it comes out that the spirit world is part of the balance of Earth. You know, not only the trees and the air and the humans and everything, but the spirit world is part of the balance. It has to exist, mm-hmm. um, and it's it, it's threatened right now. So. This is ah. part of the battle. Yeah. And, does he uh, have? Does CJ have a love interest? You talked about your characters. We heard about the one spirit he's fond of, but a, a, a woman in the flesh. Does he have a love interest in any of the book series? And not, not why, did, why didn't you give him a love interest? Well, he he does with this one girl, Clarice, and and it's it's an interest that can't be reached. Um, primarily, I mean, I really thought about that. CJ can't really be in love. He is, he is going through dark tunnels. He is traveling on the road with a band. He is so busy and, and so occupied with stuff that he really can't have a love interest that is, you know, a 24-7 partner. There's, there's no room for her. Um, mm. But he does have this love interest. And towards the end, you know, there's, there's a very big surprise, you know, uh, about his personal life and his love interest and and uh but yeah i, I tried real i struggle with that because it is a very important part of story uh to have that but his love is the music um that is his baby that is his girl and and 
that is his driving force, uh, and that's really what keeps him going until these spirits let him know, no, you've got more to do. Mm. You know, so, so there's really, and how do you explain to your girlfriend? Well, like I've got to go because I got a date with the spirit. You know, you, yeah, <laughs> no room, no room for a for a woman uh, there, and uh, that was that was a tough one. It was a real struggle. I did mention in there that his girlfriend had died, so oh, okay. you know he he kind of clammed up after that. You know, so. Okay. So that's why okay. this the spirit interest is is so unusual for him because uh-huh. he he's clammed up and but he you know uh, uh-huh. yeah so it's it's got cool. a lot of twists and turns it's, it's it it does and how long are each of the books are they short books are they like two two fifty how many pages in each each book they're two fifty between two fifty and three hundred I think oh, okay. each. Each one is a combined. It's somewhere around eight hundred thousand words. Uh, wow! So it's it's. Uh, I tried to make them really good. I mean, they they want to be a fun story, you know. Mm-hmm. I think with a lot of adventure, just really packing the adventure. But what we're really focusing on right now um, is now I mentioned this band Nathan Juju that he works for. Mm-hmm. What we've done is there's a new. Uh, Apple has got a new book out where you can include music clips in your e-books. Mm-hmm. So we took this a step further and started recording music that fit the books, that fit these concerts, that the band Nathan Juju is singing, made real live music out of it, put clips into the e-books so that this band comes alive in the e-books during mm-hmm. these adventures. So we're really focusing on making this a multimedia uh, project. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just opened up a whole new world of recording and lyrics and changing the shows in the books to meet the lyrics, to meet the show, to meet the ghosts, to meet the music, to meet the <laughs> capabilities wow. of the book. You're <laughs> so, very creative. You are well, very, very creative. Well, thanks. Well, you know, it's... It's it's fun, and I'm fortunate to have help. You know, you, you gotta reach out to people, and 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 uh, much like yourself, who thank you so much for having me on, because you know this is we live in our caves as authors. You know, you, you watch right. the seasons change <laughs> from the window, right, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's so it's an, it's great to talk about it, and and uh, it helps. So uh, thank you. What what. Then you're very welcome. We're glad to have you here with us. What have readers been saying to you about Blue Violin and the other books in the series? Well, Blue Violin is not out yet. This spring, we'll be releasing all three of them as a trilogy. Oh, uh, one oh okay. And, yeah, one and two have been out. They're kind of out there, but there are adjustments to be made. Um, I, uh, you know, I went through this process of where I hired. Uh, an editor in cover design and I, I was fortunate enough to get a business partner and put a business plan together and got a partner and some money to be able to hire a bunch of people and get things rolling and give these books some professional treatments and then you know at the end of the day after everything was said and done I took a look at these books and started reading them and they were just not the same you know the mm-hmm. story was dry uh, there were things missing there were you know, like paragraphs missing here and there. There were like, mm. oh my God, what is going on here? You know, and right. it, it really taught me a lesson that you just can't sit back and hire people to help oh, you. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and I made that foolish decision. I really did to, to think that that's how it would work. And it doesn't. So, uh, everything's coming out this spring, um, uh, and looking really forward to having the, the multimedia books just, you know, hopefully just be a lot of fun. People enjoy mm-hmm. them. The ones I, that I have now, I've showed to people and I, I carry them around and do stuff and, and, People said some really nice things. They, they, they kind of say what you said, like this is pretty different. This is a unique story, yeah. and, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I backed off from the screenplay a little bit until this project's done because it, it's really tough to finish up a trilogy and write a screenplay at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. Not only for time purposes, but because of storyline. You know, screenplays change mm-hmm. things, and uh, you you gotta get one finalized before you start the other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, can you I made a mistake li- in the book. <laughs> can you tell? Uh, tell I definitely want to. We we believe it or not, we only have like maybe four minutes left. Oh. Can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners where they can get copies of your books when they come out? As many places as you can. Tell us where they can get copies of your books. Well, they'll be on all the all the uh, stores. Uh, they can get them pretty much anywhere. Uh, I think, you know, if they wanted, if they're interested, and I would be honored if they did, uh, go to the website and sign on to the mailing list so that when we uh, put these things out, I can let everybody know. And, and I'm a big guy for freebies and contests and all kinds of games and fun, and, and, and I give away tons of copies. We just took the whole thing down to Pensacola for uh, Paracon, took the whole project down there and had a blast and spinning little mm. games and coupons and so I'm a big fan of that and if people would get on the mailing list um, then you know we'll send these games out these fun things to do it's a, all this is supposed to be fun you know it's, right. it's a ton of work I can't even tell you how much mm-hmm. work it is it, it, it just doesn't mm-hmm. stop but but it's fun it's supposed to be fun it's for the reader it's for people to have a good time this is supposed to take them out of their world and let them have a good time Mm-hmm. And so that's 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 kind of the driving force. Can you tell anywhere. us the social the social media networks you're on? How can people find you online? Uh, Facebook, you know that good old thing. Uh, the uh, let me see, got all of them on LinkedIn, Facebook. Okay. Oh boy, Twitter, you know all that good stuff. Goodreads, I, I occasionally put books up to read on Goodreads. Yeah. Uh, just if they put in Johnny Walker, though, there's a good chance that the liquor will come up. How would they find you? Uh, Johnny Walker, author. Okay. Um, and with a Y, not I-E. J-O-H-N-I-E okay. is the alcohol. And I sure wish I had stock in that. But with a Y, <laughs> <laughs> use a Y and you'll get the author. Uh, if you put in author or put in E-K-K-O, Mysteries. Um, okay. And that'll that'll take you to the stuff and and uh, again, I, I'm so excited about this spring about just getting these things out there and and uh, I've had some really terrific people leave great reviews and you know I, I, here we are here we are furthering mm-hmm. uh, the the mission and uh, if somebody wants you I, to I hope perform, people like it. are you do you still have a band? If somebody wanted you to perform or come and read an excerpt or, or do something related to the books, How are you open to that, and how can they contact you? Um, absolutely. We still play. Uh, I don't have a band anymore, but I do know a lot of people, and we all beat around and play. And uh, a terrific friend of mine named Hallie DeVestern helps out with studio stuff, and 
they could just contact me, uh, Johnny at EchoMysteries.com. Okay. And uh, readings and stuff, love it, love it. As you can see, I, I, I'm a talker. Yeah. <laughs> and we have, I got to you, Johnny, I've, I've so enjoyed, we so enjoyed you having you, and this hour flew, flew by. Uh, uh, I had so many other questions I wanted to ask you, but the time just went and just went went by. Johnny Walker, we have been to our off-the-shelf listeners speaking with Johnny Walker. If any of you came in midway or 10, 15 minutes into the interview, it will be up on the archives so you can go back and listen to the interview in its entirety. He is the author of the Echo, E-K-K-O, a mystery book series, and the books in the series are Blue Violin, Black Coffee, and White Limousine. And he's going to make it very, uh, very, where you can actually hear the music as you're enjoying the e-book you can go to his website and sign up to to uh, like subscribe to get his updates. And his website is e k k o m y s t e r i e s dot com. Echomysteries dot com. He's doing games. He's doing giveaways. Just keeping in touch with listeners. You may see him performing somewhere near you, and you can even learn more about the stories. He's done work with HBO, Miramax Pictures, Dateline NBC, Carol King. I could just go on and on. He's very accomplished. So, again, his website is echomysteries.com, E-K-K-O-M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-E-S. Please go out and support him and sign up to keep up with what's going on with Johnny Walker. We thank you so much for being here with us, Johnny, and we thank our listeners for tuning in today. Please come back next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, New York City time, here right here at Off the Shelf. Tell your family, your friends, your colleagues, book lovers, everybody everywhere, tune in to Off the Shelf, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays where we will continue to bring you these Awesome, awesome guest. Thank you so much, Johnny. To each of our listeners, as I always tell you, you are so amazing. Ah, thank you. You are absolutely fabulous. Go out and create an awesome day for yourself. Johnny, I'll shoot Back you an email. You. Bye Thank now. you. Bye.